Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's Word is Truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and we are continuing Colossians today. Um, I hope your weekend is going great, and also I hope this week was good for you. And if it wasn't, um, I just pray that the Lord will give you peace and um, carry you through tomorrow, uh, since I'm Recording this on Saturday, tomorrow is Sunday, which is the Lord's Day. Um, and that is always something good to look for forward to. Um, it's always good uh, to gather with the brothers and sisters that the Lord has blessed us to gather within the local church. Um, so, yeah, if you don't have a local church, I encourage you to find one with believers that are willing to help walk alongside you. Uh, will help you grow in the faith. And also, find a church that preaches the truth, right? And what is truth? That's the Word of God. So, find a church that is closest to the Bible. doesn't matter how far you have to go, um, but find that church. Because where there's a church that is solely founded on the Word of God, you will find people who are solely founded on the foundation, who is Christ. Um, so, yeah, so... Without further ado, let's go to Colossians. We're still in chapter 1, um, but we're ending uh, this understanding of the preeminence of Christ or the supremacy of Christ, right? So 21, 22, and 23 is what uh, we're going to go over today. And this is what it says. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, let's go back to verse 21 and let, let's talk about it. Let's... Uh, let's see what the Lord has in store there for us. It says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, right? That's the beginning of his thought, of Paul's thought. What is Paul trying to say to the Colossians? Well, first we have to understand who he's writing to, right? And I just said it, the Colossians. But how do we know that? Well, it says, and you, right? So the recipient of this letter, you, who were alienated and hostile in mind. And where do we get that you? Um, well, if you go back to verse 2, it talks about the saints and faithful brothers. So to those who are the faithful saints. It says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. <clears throat> so Paul's audience here 
are the Christians that are living in Colossae, right? All those believers that are there. And he says, and you, right, to them who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. So there is one time that these believers, and now we're going to get into this application, right? The you could also be us who are Christians now, because we were once also alienated and hostile in mind. And that is to say, cut off, right? We were against God. We were doing evil deeds, it says. But here it says we were alienated and hostile in mind. That is to say that we had a debased mind that produced evil deeds as our acts or actions. So, before God reconciles us to Christ or through Christ, we all were just vessels who did evil deeds. Even those that seem like good deeds, God calls dirty rags. Where do I get that from? Well, Isaiah 64, 6. And this is what it says. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. So righteous deeds equals polluted garment. And these polluted garments isn't just to say a dirty rag, right? Even though there's some translations that translate it as dirty rags. But what was being uh, portrayed here, what God was trying to help us envision was more of dirty rags as in this is what the ladies used back then when they were menstruating. So when they would clean themselves, they would use these rags. Now imagine that being your good deeds. And that's what God sees when you do good deeds. So even our good deeds that seem like a good thing when we bring it up to God as if we are here to please the Lord uh, with our good works. God says, I see that as dirty rags. That's crazy to think about. But we must understand who we are apart from Christ. We were alienated. We were hostile in mind. And we continually did evil deeds, right? The heart of man is wicked and deceitful. And this is why Jesus did what he did. Look at verse 22 of Colossians chapter 1. He has now, so now it's the present tense, it's the present forever future now, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order, so here's the what, why, why did he do this? in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So he, the Lord, Jesus Christ, has now reconciled in his body of flesh, right? Because Jesus is the one who took on flesh, right? He was the incarnate one. So he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. So, that's the how God reconciles us. God reconciles us through the death of Christ. Because what was that supposed to do? Jesus was to 
be the sacrifice for us. He was that substitutionary atonement for our sins. Our sins needed to be atoned for. And Jesus Christ, being the sinless Lamb of God, became that perfect sacrifice so that all of those who put their trust in Jesus Christ will be saved. Not just can be saved. No, they will be saved if they put their trust in Christ. And it has to be Christ alone. Because what did, what, what did Paul say earlier in verse 21? That we were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. And even our good deeds were evil. And because of that, there is nothing I can do to get on God's good side. So how do I get there? Verse 22, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You see, the Lord presents us to the Father, to God, as clean, as blameless, as holy, set apart. That's what it means, above reproach. That's crazy to think about. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus cleans us, and God the Father declares us righteous, right? So the, in order to present you, um, that is how we can come before God and not fear of a guilty verdict, because we are seen as what? Holy and blameless and above reproach. And holy means set apart. Blameless means there's nothing to put the gavel down and say guilty. There's nothing there. And this is the power of God. You you have to understand what the blood of Christ really does to us when it says that it will clean us as white as snow. You see, Jesus, his blood is the only blood that could cover us completely. And that's how we are presented before the Father, before God. We are presented as holy, as blameless, and above reproach. This is a call to worship God. Reading this should move us to want to praise God forever. Um, Because there is nothing within us that caused God to want to save us. No, he did it out of his own love. Uh, Scripture says in Romans that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were evildoers, while we were alienated and hostile in mind, while we were doing evil deeds, Christ died for us. That's beautiful. And then we get to verse 23. And verse 23 is, it says, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, that kind of sounds like we have to maintain our faith, doesn't it? It sounds like we have to hold on to this faith, and at any moment, I could let go, and if I do, well, guess what? I'm no longer saved. Well, I would just ask you the question, 
then were you ever saved in the first place? Because if God saved you, then you are saved. If God didn't save you, then you are not saved. But if you say God saved you and then you are no longer saved, that means God didn't save you in the first place. But what this is mainly referring to is the perseverance of the saints, right? And how we can persevere even though in our flesh we will fail, we will fall, we will fall into temptation and sin. But we must understand who God is, right? This is where theology comes into play. This is theology. All of scripture, once you learn more of God's word, you learn more about God, you learn more about ourselves. And when you do that, you are learning theology. You see, all Christians are theologians. We are to be uh, theologians. Because that's what God has called us to. We are called to learn more about him. We're called to grow into the knowledge of him. And how is that done? Well, that's done through his word. I can't just study creation and learn everything about God. That's just natural revelation. God has given us, by his grace, his special revelation of himself. And that's through his word. And that's a beautiful thing. Because again, we must be reminded, where were we once? We were once alienated and hostile in mind. We were doing evil deeds. And what does God do? He gives us his eternal word. And he says, learn about me. Listen to what it says in the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. So I'm going to read chapter 17, paragraph 1. Um, and this chapter is about the perseverance of the saints. So this is what I mean, right? That this verse, verse 23, isn't necessarily talking about us being able to lose our salvation or that we have to maintain our salvation. And if at one point we fail to maintain, um, to be faithful, um, then we will fall away. That's not what this is teaching because of what we have already known or what we already know about salvation. So this will help us. It says this in chapter 17, paragraph one of the perseverance of the saints in the London Baptist confession of faith of 1689. It says those whom God hath accepted in the beloved effectually called and sanctified by his spirit and given the precious faith of his elect unto can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, but shall certainly preserve or persevere therein to the end, and be eternally saved, seeing the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, whence he still begets and nourisheth in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality. And though many storms and floods arise, these are trials, and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock, which by faith they are fastened upon. That's beautiful. And I will show you uh, where they are getting this from, right? Because 
uh, these are words of fallible men. So we got to search the infallible word uh, to support these fallible uh, men that wrote this statement, right? We, we should always check even the greatest of preachers, the greatest of theologians. We should always check them with the word of God. We are to be Bereans. So this is what it continues to say. It says, And though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off the foundation of rock, which by faith they are being fastened upon. Notwithstanding, through unbelief and the temptations of Satan, the sensible side of light and love of God may for a time be clouded and obscured from them. Yet he is still the same, and they shall sure be kept by the power of God unto salvation, where they shall enjoy their purchased possession, they being engraven upon the palm of his hands, and their names having been written in the book of life from all eternity. So now let's go to some scripture references to support what they just said there. Um, and it is beautiful what they said. And I believe that is well put um, in how God effectually calls those who are his. And once he effectually calls those who are his, he will keep them forever. And how do we know that? Well, God's word never changes. God never changes. And in his word, what does it say? Well, let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 verses 28 and 29. It says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's big. That Jesus is the one giving eternal life. And what else? And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now listen to what verse 29 says. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. We are in Christ's hands. And we are in the Father's hands. Now let me ask you, who is mightier than God? Right? Think about that. No one. No one is mightier than God. God is sovereign over his creation, even his creatures that he has made in his image, which is us, humans, right? We are image bearers of God. And not even us can snatch ourselves or others out of the Father's hand, out of Christ's hands. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Because all of those who have put their faith in Christ, all of those who have repented from their sins, they are the ones in whom God began a good work in. Right? God has convicted you of your sin and you have repented of it, acknowledging that you have sinned against the Lord against a holy God and that you justly, rightly deserve his punishment, which is eternity in hell. Because God is eternal, his punishment has to be eternal. And not only that, that you trust in Christ 
alone for your salvation, trusting in his death by his flesh, right? He has now reconciled us or reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. And that is how we are presented to God, holy, blameless, and above reproach. So we must trust in this Christ and what he did for us. He bled for us in order to cleanse us, in order to be that um, substitutionary atonement for us. That sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. So, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And let's go to the Old Testament. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. What does God say there? For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Right? What did God say before that? Or what was being mentioned before that? Well, he's mentioning about judgment. Right? Look at verse 5 of Malachi chapter 3. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift I'll be I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker for his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. So this is what it means when Scripture says that he is holy, that he is righteous, that he is just. Is that he will have he will have a day where he will punish the evildoer. Doesn't matter what you have done. Right? You know, people always talk about white lies. But let me ask you what color are lies? I don't think lies have color. Lies are lies no matter what you're trying to do or what's the motive behind the lie. Lie is a lie and that is sin. And scripture says that the Lord will hold judgment for that. Right? Against all of those who have sinned against him. But what does he say in verse 6? For I the Lord do not change. And what does that mean? Well, I have promised you from long ago and will continue to keep this promise that those who are mine are not consumed, it says. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, O Israel, are not consumed. Right? That is amazing to read and know that the Lord does not change. And now we can trust in God's word. How can we trust in God's word? Because he never changes. So there's nothing to doubt about in God's word. Nothing to doubt about in God's word. God is faithful to the end. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's what it's saying. And we must trust in that. We must trust in the word of God to be able to tell us what's wrong with us and how to fix it. And guess what? Jesus does the fixing. We do the responding. We respond by faith. Jesus saves us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. And the Father gets the praise. You know, we are to uplift God and, and worship with the angels. And 
proclaim, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? Who was, who is, and is to come. That is him. Jesus says that he is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. And the Father says that he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And that is the triune God. We must worship Him. We must trust in Him. And we must understand that, yes, God has set aside a day of judgment for all of those who have sinned against Him and have not repented. You see, that is the difference between us who are believers and those who are not believers. The difference is not that we have... We haven't sinned and they have. No, we all have sinned and fallen short from the glory of God. That's what Romans uh, 3.23 says, right? For the wages of sin is death. Let me go to Romans. I don't have this one written down, but this is uh, good. Romans 3.23, right? It says, for all have sinned and fallen short from the glory of God, right? All have sinned falling short from the glory of God. So, what's the difference? Well, Christ. Jesus Christ is the difference. And in Him alone can we find restoration. We can find reconciliation, right? That's what it is. That we can be reconciled to God, to the Creator of the universe, and not fear His wrath. But instead, we are welcomed by His love. And if you want to see a glimpse of how much God loves you, look at the cross. Look what Jesus did. That is God in the flesh, and he did that for the evildoers. That's amazing. And this is why we must lay aside, we must consider that man dead, right? Who is that man or that woman? Well, the one in whom we are to put to death, right? We are a new creature in Christ. Therefore, the old has passed. So, we should not be living like the world anymore because we are not of the world anymore. The Lord has reconciled us to himself and he has, calls us to be holy. He calls us to be righteous in this world. And we are given a mandate. And what is that mandate? To preach the gospel to all the nations. Make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of, and the Holy Spirit. And what else? Teaching them to observe and obey all that he has commanded. That is what being a disciple and being discipled looks like. And it continues and it goes and goes and guess what? The whole world knows the gospel now. And for however long the Lord has us here on earth, we are still called. That call remains. That call remains to preach the gospel, to proclaim, herald the gospel, right? What does Paul say about this gospel in verse 23? If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, how do you hear the gospel? Well, if someone is preaching it, someone is proclaiming it, 
And what else? Which has been proclaimed, proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So gospel, the word gospel, um, the word in the Greek means good news or glad tidings, right? That's what it says. Uh, gospel is the good news that you heard. So think of old times and think of that little kid with the newspaper of the day and he's raising his hands in the air, waving that newspaper around and what does he say? Extra, extra, read all about it, right? He's proclaiming the news that's in that paper, right? He's not specifically proclaiming that news in the paper, but he is saying, I got the good news. Come read it. And what we are called to do, we are called to proclaim the gospel. We're called to explain the gospel and why it's such good news, right? So, so think about that. Reread Colossians. Read God's word. Have your daily devotionals if you have them. Um, but I would consider having your alone time with the Lord as you read his word, right? Set aside your devotionals. Read God's word that is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Learn it. And not only learn it, but hide it in your heart. Hide it in your mind. And apply it, right? Live it out. That is my challenge to you. I hope you guys had a great week and are having a good weekend. And I guess until next time, this is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.